0: How do you maximize performance with your sales force? My name is Anthony Garcia, and I'm the host of the Catapulting Commission's podcast. Join me every week as we discuss topics such as performance or improving retention. And we do so by interviewing some of the top sales professionals and entrepreneurs around the world. Now, let's enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Catapulting Commission show. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Now, my guest today, when we talk about going from good to great or being a top performer, an elite specialist, I couldn't think of anyone better than to introduce you to Ian Koniak. Now, Ian Koniak is a career sales professional, top performer at some of the largest organizations in the world. And I'll let Ian dive in and tell you a little about his background. Not only on top of that, He's an aspiring entrepreneur who has built his own sales coaching and training business, which we'll let him talk a little bit about what he's offering and how that's diving in. And one of the things you'll hear me pick on is Ian has invested a level of, of money, for lack of better words, into personal development. And I want to hear I want to really dive into that and how it transferred his life, how it how it changed his outcome, his results. Been in sales for 17 years, 15 of the 17 years overachieved his quota. Number one sales performer out of a company that had forty thousand employees and no small company by any means. So, Ian, welcome to the Catapulting Commission. Show.
1: what's up, my man? Congrats on launching the podcast. Great to be here.
0: Hey, man, I'm glad to have you here. All right, Ian, so let, let's let's dive into this, bud. You're a top performer for a software sales company, and I'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows that company. Can you can you do, to, little tell us about your background? Your sales, who you perform well with, and the name of your company.
1: Yeah. So I work for Salesforce.com. If you work in sales, you probably have used it or heard of it. And I've been here. This is my eighth year at Salesforce. Uh, before that, I worked for Rico, which was a copier company. So I really shifted from selling, you know, transactional, kind of high volume sales to more strategic sales and my 18th year in, in sales. So really I I'd, I'd say the past 4 years at Salesforce I've really been accelerating. The first, you know, few years were rough. I was trying to figure it out and so I'm very blessed, very fortunate to, you know, work at Salesforce. I believe in the company, the culture and have had just an Awesome, awesome ride there, and you know it's it's been so great that now I'm trying to do things like this and just give back and share what I believe every single sales rep needs to hear to accelerate their performance and get through the wall that I was bumping up against for for so many years in sales.
0: Yeah, man, no, absolutely, dude. I think uh, you know one of the things you mentioned in your your previous years is I'm looking here in 2017, you were the number one rep in the Enterprise Select division for Salesforce what What amazes me is the very next year you finished top five again mm-hmm. out of the same account. So if we go back to these years of top performing top success, what was it for you if you had to attribute the top two or three things that said, "Hey, this is where I'm going to be a top performer." what was it? What did you do differently than those around you?
1: Well, I think it starts with with you know anthony you 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 know this as well as anyone. You can't change people who don't want to change, right? And the year before my top performance, I actually finished ninety six percent of plan, so I barely missed my quota by a few thousand dollars. And I think my quota was like one five. I hit like one four five. It, it was really close. Mm-hmm. And this was the third year in a row that I had missed my quota. The previous couple years, I had um, not been performing. My first year at Salesforce, I did overachieve, and then three years after that, I, I didn't. And and I really hit, was used to this you know, successful track record. I, I was the top guy at Rico. I was the number one in nationally for so many years. And, and when I got to Salesforce, I was kind of average and, you know, not performing to my capability. So two of those four years, I I was right under my quota or right over my quota. And the other two, I, I bombed. I, I didn't hit it. And I was at a, a point in my life where I was just so frustrated with myself. And I I said, I have to have a better way there's got to be a better way so i think it starts with knowing and looking in the mirror and saying you know what external excuses and factors can only take you so far you need to look in the mirror and see what do i how do i have to transfer myself? How do I need to transform myself? How do I need to assume the identity of a top performer so that I can step into these shoes and actually fulfill my true potential? And before those years, I had reached that point. I remember it was it was the last day of the fiscal year. I needed one deal to get over quota. I was trying to chase down the CIO who happened to me in China I was with the president of a company and they said they were going to sign and they didn't sign. And I called China and it was like, he was on vacation with family. He's like, Ian, just why do you need this now? I'm like, it's the last day of the year. You got to do it. You know, you're giving the best deal. And he said, no, I don't have to do anything. And he hung up. And, and I was like, <laughs> I felt like a dagger went through my heart. I really did. And that's when I kind of realized like my entire self-worth was based on this concept of if I was achieving plan, I'm, I was very happy. If I wasn't, I felt like I was a horrible person. And that was when I said, you know, I don't know what to do, but I know that this is not going to be sustainable. It's not long. I can't live my life this way in this roller coaster of sales. And so I got a cold call from a company. Uh, at the time, it was called Epic Impact. And they reached out on LinkedIn and they said, Ian, we helped people that are looking to go from good to great. We help salespeople know who know they're capable of more, but don't know where to start. And it just was like perfect timing. I had actually talked to them a little bit before and, you know, they tried to get me to a seminar and I, I'd been putting it off. But at that moment I said, I'm in, I don't, I don't care what I have to do. So I think you know, foundational for any success, you have to get to a point where you're so sick and tired of mediocre performance or good performance. And you have to believe that you're capable of doing more. Right. And until you get to that point, it's really hard to change. So I got to that point and I really shifted the way I sell. And I can talk a lot about what happened in 2017 that got me to be number one. But if I can break it down to a few critical things, I think, I I forgot everything I knew. I said, look, what I'm doing, it's working okay. Again, I wasn't fired. I wasn't doing terrible. I was just like floating at or around plan. But I, you know, I said the way I've been selling, which was more like, you know, grinding and a lot of cold calls and a lot of like pushy kind of like you have to sign now and like what you would think of when you think, you know, typical salesperson like hard pressure that was me because that was the way we did it in copiers for so many years and it worked great but when you go take that approach to a software company or any type of services organization where you really have to be partnered with the client it doesn't work and so what i did differently that year which really accelerated my performance is i said you know what i'm not gonna you know focus on on only achieving quota each month. What I'm going to focus on is really making an impact for my customers, solving big problems, helping them accelerate their business. And whatever that looks like, as far as, you know, software and services and the proposal to help get there, that'll come later. I'm going to spend all my time really understanding their business, understanding their challenges. And so rather than spending a lot of time or a little bit of time with a lot of clients and just kind of being at that transactional surface, I, Went all in on a couple clients to really learn and understand their business it boils down to an outward versus an inward approach. When you're just focusing on your commissions, when you're just focusing on your revenue, your income, your W-2, right? It's very self-centered. When you're focusing on the client's business, their problems, their challenges, then what happens is you naturally take a standpoint of wanting to help first, then sell. And and I never was in that mindset. I was always in the mindset of sell first and let customer success and, you know, the post-sales team deal with anything. And I truly just shifted and said, you know what? I'm going to be a good good person first, and that made me a good salesperson. And and you know that that's made all the difference. And that's kind of how I've been selling the past, really the past three years. And and since those years, I've hit hit plan every year. You said it. You know, it was it was back to back years where I, I was uh, number one, and then top five in the company. And even last year, I, I finished over plan and almost 200 percent of my multi year quota. So it's like it's been this run where. I've been very consistent in in selling this way.
0: Man, well, you know, I one, I take so much from that right there. Ian, I think one of the things you say there is uh, is is a mantra that I tell people off off self on purpose. And you just said in your sales career, you know, it was really much inward thinking. What can I make for me? How can I make as much money? What does my commission look like? Uh, You know, how can I put money in my savings account, pay my bills, live my life? Versus, okay, how can I dive completely in? to The mind of my client. How can I dive completely into their business and give more value than I'm willing to take? And and dude, that that there is 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 exceptional. Now, as you climb this rank, right? You you talked about there was like this mental mind shift that you were you were kind of having these mediocre years. I look back at your numbers and you're, you know, you're missing, you're not missing by bad shape, you're not on plan. One of the things we talk about on catapulting commissions is complacent sales syndrome. Which what it sounds like, you kind of were in that mindset where it's, hey, I know how to do the job. I I know how to grind. I know how to be a sales professional. I know how to get after it. But there's just something holding you back. Usually, people have a critical point, like a time, a date, an event that's like, hey, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to make that change. Was it that email from, from um, Epic Impact that was it? Or was there something else that was like, hey, today's the day I'm going to make this change?
1: I think it was just, I, like I said, it was missing that quota. It was almost midnight. I had a DocuSign order ready to go. And this was the third year in a row that I missed my plan. And And I remember lying in my bed and my ears were ringing and I just felt like my whole world was collapsing because I hadn't hit my number. And I guess the 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 big shift like that I... Realize now, three years into this journey, is that you are not your number. You are the person that you are. You are the husband, you are the father, you are the your health, your mindset, that that the way you show up for people, the way you care, the way you give, the way you serve, that's who you are. That's it's not your percentage of quota that makes or breaks you. But as salespeople, we are so tied. We live and die by stack rankings, by income, and it's so embedded and ingrained. I mean, I've worked this way my whole life. So I can look back and say, you know what, now I feel that way. But, but that frustration and thinking like I was a horrible person, I was a shitty person because I couldn't hit my plan was what set me over. It was like, it was, it was the, that was the catalyst for me. And then there was another catalyst a few years later, this catalyst happened. I would say uh, it was December 28th, 2018. So this was a year and two months ago. Right. And what happened there is I, I, thought I was going to die. Literally. I, I, oh, wow. I was, I'm kind of afraid of heights and you know, I, I am also an adrenaline junkie, which doesn't make sense, but I snowboard and I bungee jumped and I've, I've done skydiving. I kind of, you know, I've always been a risk taker in that sense. And, but I'm afraid of heights. So I, I, for roller coasters i went, I went to magic mountain, six flags. I'm sure you know it because not too mm-hmm. far from you. And I went on the ride called Tatsu and it's, it's what you call a flying coaster and in a flying coaster, the track is above you and you're hanging down all your weight. So you're like hanging upside down with all your weight on the bar. So it does feel like you're going to fall if the bar falls. And that was like my biggest fear. I, I'd gone on this ride before and I was like, Oh, don't fall. Don't fall. Well, at the very top of the coaster, the ride breaks down right before the biggest leap. And I'm in the front row. And it was like, I was hanging up there for 30 minutes and I, it was 180 feet up. It was 18 stories peak, highest peak in the mountain And the ride stops. And I swear I was praying. I'm not, I've always kind of believed in God and the higher purpose. But at that moment I prayed for my life and I truly did think I was going to die. And what, what, happened in that moment is I said, look, I have a gift to give. I want to serve people. I want to help people. I know I have a voice to be used. And that's when I started like truly not just elevating and helping my, my, you know, my customers in the way I sell, but I've kind of took that same approach and wanted to help other people. So I've been on, you know, eight podcasts already. I have started my, my website, my training, I'm just giving back. I'm doing kickoffs at, at Salesforce. I'm you know, writing. I'm doing, you know, I've I've posted a video every day on Instagram for almost a year. And um I've been doing weekly LinkedIn training. So I think there's got to be like catalysts for like, you know, changing your performance, but there's also catalysts for like changing your life, right? And and saying, you know, I, I've woken up. Like this is a I'm sure you can relate just based on what you're doing. You know, you get one life. My my father passed away very young. He was 53. My cousin passed away at 47, my first cousin. And my boss who hired me at Salesforce just passed away last year. And so I'm so mindful of, you know, life being fragile and short. So I think the wake up call like that, that I, I wouldn't say I was ever complacent, but I wasn't hungry enough to go put in the work to actually get better, truly get better. So the past three years, all I've been doing is putting in work to get better. And that makes all the difference. That is what makes the difference. You've got to wake up and then you got to put in the work to actually change how you sell, how you show up, how you serve so that you can get to the top. And until you're there, you know, I'm sorry, but it's, it's, nothing's going to change until you get to that point in my mind.
0: Man, Ian, you, you were leaving me motivated. I mean, I, I am taking notes. I'm motivated and fired up by what you're sharing. I, I think 100%, right. That wake up and work on yourself first that that that's everything, dude. And I, I'm glad to hear you say that because the level of the level of success you've experienced that wake up and work on yourself first is is key. You you talked about how there is we have our identity tied into stat rankings and sales performance and metrics and and you're, you're really separating yourself, which is which is a, a, a fundamental principle. I totally dig it. I buy into it. I believe in myself. However, let me ask you some questions about company culture, because that that feeling right there that you have felt, I have felt, I know the people listening to this show and watching the video, they have felt it as well. 34% of sales professionals turn over every year in sales industries, right? U.S. Labor Board says pretty much one out of the three people in a sales organization are going to turn over every year. I speculate that a lot of those people who turn over come into that point of, I'm you know what? I missed my number. I'm useless. I have no self-worth. I have, I, I can't deal with this. You ran a large sales organization. You had a large team. You had direct reports. You had, you managed the managers. What can an organization do to create this level of sales force retention that can lower that number, right? You know, I look at someone that's been in the workforce for nine years with seven jobs. I'm like, Hey man, I gotta be honest with you, man. I don't know if you're the right fit for me. You're, you're not even going to know what you don't know by the time you look for your next job. So yeah. what can an organization do to improve that retention of their people?
1: So it's a two-part question, right? Yes, so first part, in the second part, I think t- touches on longevity, which I want to talk about and why that's important. Longevity for success in staying in one place. Organizations that they want to keep, the way I kept, I had zero turnover when I was a sales manager, not a single um, rep wow. left me. And that's why I was promoted. I was number one sales manager, the number one general manager, the number one director of sales. So keep in mind, I had such a high level of success going into Salesforce, which is why this was messed with my head so much. <laughs> like I was a legend over there. I really was. And I still have people from Rico, this is 10, 15 years ago who worked for me that said, you know, I'll never, you know, I'll never forget our time together. You taught me so much. So I think from from my personal belief, having done this at a level that I don't believe anyone's done. I don't know of any other sales manager that never had zero turnover. I, I didn't. And our turnover was about 60% as our company, wow. not 30, because the copier is grinding. So people from all over the country are asking me this question, what are you doing? So I think the first thing, there's a few things. Number one, you need to develop your people. It's your job. It's not sales enablement's job as a sales leader to develop your people, right? People are people don't leave companies. They leave their managers, don't get me wrong, right? You can work for the worst company, no opportunity. You've got a great manager who helps you, who cares about you. You're going to stick around a long time. I was selling copiers way before or way longer than I should have, right? I was there 10 years. I probably should have gone into software a lot sooner, but I loved who I worked for and I had some great mentors and managers. So I think... Number one, develop your people. I used to run a weekly training. I did it myself. I showed them things that they needed. My whole approach to sales managers, when I became a manager, I had been the top sales rep. So all I wanted to do was create a bunch of mini-me's that were doing the same thing I did. So if you know what success looks like, I I don't think you can be a good manager unless you've done the job as a sales rep and you know how to teach. Right? That's my personal belief. I think you can coach and kind of be generic, but what people need, what sales rep needs is someone who can get in the weeds, who can get shit done for their company. who can go in and get you know pricing approvals where no one else has got it who can close deals with the clients. You want to get people, you know, so so develop your people. Number two, make them money. I would go out and, and go on ride days with my clients and I would close their deals. They'd set appointments and i go in there and I was closing their business. And And by leading that way, I was showing them how to become closers. And they're like, why would I ever leave this guy? A, he's putting my money in my pocket. B, I'm learning so much from him, right? So that's the second thing. And I think the third thing is just to care about your people, right? Genuinely care about their success. There's what I call armchair managers who sit back and look at spreadsheets and look at you know, CRM reports of, you know, who's doing what and manage that way. Hey, update this, update that. They're not in the field. Reps can't stand that. What people as a rep need is somebody who's gonna be in the battlefield with them, who is going to bring value to them, help them get better, and then get the heck out of their way if they're a top performer. Let them go do what they do and add value and help make them more successful. And that's really it. It's gotta be done at that frontline sales manager level. And that's when I was a director of sales managing managers. That's what I was teaching people is here's how you coach. Here's how you lead. Here's how you make your rep successful. You got to close for them. You get out in the field. So I was doing ride days four days out of five per week in the field with my team. I was going four, five, six appointments. I was putting them first, getting the office first. I was the first one there, last one to leave. I mean, I was leading by example. I think If you're a manager and you're not in the trenches with your team, I'm sorry to say, but you know the sales manager job is the hardest job in the company in most companies because you're you're taking on you know seven or eight people and they're not going to be as good as you most of the time you're going to have to be patient you're going to have to develop them so I think from a from a company level work develop your sales managers so they can develop your their their teams right help them become good coaches good uh, good good teachers number two promote sales managers that have done the job before right? That can go and lead by example. Number three, develop a culture that shows employees that they're more than just numbers. The reason I've been at Salesforce so long is because, you know, they put the employees first. We had our Salesforce kickoff recently and our leader, Jen Legale, who's our SVP, she said, look, I I know this is contrary to, to popular belief, but you need to focus on your family first and your happiness first. Because if you're not happy at home, if your home's not there, then your entire business is at stake, right? So when you you have your house in order and you're happy, you're going to show up happier to work. You're going to work harder. And I truly do believe that. So I think just Caring about the well being of your employees, whether you're a sales manager, whether you're a CRO, or whether you're a CEO, it comes first. If I'm looking for a company, the first place I'm going is Glassdoor to see what employees are saying and to make sure I'm in a company that's 4 2 or above. If I ever left Salesforce, which I won't um, for another company anyway, it would be to start my own business. It, It would be for a company that cares about their employees, where employees love working there. So build a culture where employees love working there, and that's how you retain them. And don't Beat people up because they didn't hit their number. Help them understand and develop them and help them be successful. That's the sign of a good leader.
0: Man, so you're developing people, you're making them money, you're caring for people, then you're developing the leaders. I think that step, when people, you know, the number one mistake I think organizations are making in sales management is they take a high-performing sales professional, they make them a sales manager, but they don't train them how to manage people. They assume that, hey, you're really good at sales and here you are, you're going to manage people because you're absolutely right. In the world of sales management, your first one in, last one out, right? You're you're putting in the time. You have, let's say, seven to ten personalities you have to deal with. Each one has a different personality. And between going out in the field with your people, you have all the admin behind the scenes that your team doesn't see, yet you know has to get done. And I think that's a fundamental area that companies drop the ball on. And, and I share that from, from colleagues that I've worked with, from people that have that I've interviewed with or coach or mentor, is they don't completely understand how to manage people. I can close the deal. I can be the salesperson, but I can't motivate you to that next step. And kudos to you, man, on that zero turnover. You know, in copiers, you're absolutely right. It is it is a grind. It It teaches people the ins and outs of being in sales. And, you know, I mean, where you're at now versus where you started that you know that that trajectory of sales sales professionalism i'm sure there's a lot of people listening that want to experience that that want to get that growth
1: one thing i missed that i didn't add is you need to hold your team accountable right there's so many sales managers who accept a level of performance and for me i had the gift of coming in with knowing what good looks like so i think i think you need to you you it's not all empathy and how can i help you and coach you you have to set expectations properly in terms of your activity. Here's what I expect every week for appointments. Here's what I expect when we go on a ride day. And if we don't hit it, I was the first one to put them on a performance improvement plan or or not even before I would do that. I would talk to them and say, hey, next time, let's see. And if it continues, like maybe you have the wrong person for the job, but you need to be really clear on your expectations and hold people accountable for what's feasible, not for something unrealistic, for what's feasible. So I I just, I I don't want to gloss over that. Cause I think that is really important is just to have a standard of what your team, what, what your set, your standards and and hold yourself accountable to holding others accountable for those standards. Cause that's where I see a lot of managers drop the ball is they accept subpar performance. And you know, all that does is hurts them and, and the team.
0: 100%. You, you talked about setting those expectations, you know, and giving somebody a plan. If you were going to put somebody on a performance plan, hmm was it a surprise? Did they know in advance? How did you How did you deliver that message?
1: They knew well in advance. I sit them down, like I have pretty simple, you know. I'm I'm a pretty simple dude. So yeah. what, what I would do in in my weekly meetings, right? Mm-hmm. So I would run a report, and we put it on the weekly meetings every Monday morning of what activity, like how many appointments did you have, how many new opportunities were created, and how many deals did you close. Three metrics, and it was coming right from Salesforce. So if someone had No sales, no opportunities, no appointments. And they're like, well, I didn't put in the system. Like my expectation was, this is how we're managing. You're in front of everyone. So quickly people started putting their stuff in, right? And then if there was 10 appointments and no opportunities, then I could say, well, how is that, you know, in copiers anyway – because I didn't manage it at Salesforce, but how is it that you met with 10 people? Well, if you do the simple math, people are average on a three-year lease. So that means three of the 10 people would have their lease expiring this year. That is an opportunity for you to upgrade. Have you asked them about lease? So then it becomes a coaching opportunity. Like how do you take your appointments and then be more effective in creating opportunities? If they had four opportunities they added, but they hadn't closed anything, okay, let's talk about your closing skills and yourself. So it all starts with setting the expectations for the activity. And you know, for, the, for me, it was like, that was one thing is track track the right metrics that I needed, track my KPIs that I knew were going to drive drive sales, right? which is appointments and opportunities. And then the, the second thing was ride days, where, where if I had a ride day and everyone knew the calendar in advance, then that ride day, we'd have to have at least four appointments. I don't care if you spend all week setting those four. I want four on my ride day, right? Because that's how you're going to make your money because I'm in there. I'm running it with you and I'm going to close your deal.
0: Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode for a second. I hope you're enjoying what you've heard thus far. Are you a sales professional or do you manage a team of sales professionals? I imagine you know someone who struggles with complacency. I'm talking about the sales rep who has all the tools to be a top performer, but just can't seem to get past the mental hurdle that is holding them back. I completely understand and I relate with you. That is why I've created a detailed approach on how to get out of this stage of complacency and put yourself in position to achieve your next sales goal. Be sure to visit my website, catapultingcommissions.com. Once there, you can find the link to pick up a copy of my international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions. Now, let's get back to our show.
1: I think you can't teach people to lead, but I, I think you can find and hire the right people of certain qualities that make them good leaders, right? And and that's something that I, I just kind of, I've always kind of been a leader. Even in my sales role, I quarterback a lot. I have other folks that, you know, I have a whole team because these are big enterprises. So I'm leading them. I'm setting the vision. I'm, you know, yeah. quarterbacking people going where and who. So those skills are super valuable for Salesforce, but you know what makes a good manager is is there's so much that goes into that, but I think I probably captured a bunch of for me what what I think works works the
0: best I mean, you hit so much on it right and and I mean, there's so many nuggets to pull from what we said here, but one of the things you you ended with is leaders lead, right? and I look at leaders for people who are leading me who have been my leader. If they're no longer focusing on their personal development, if they're no longer focusing on improving themselves, and they think because they have the experience or the tenure or the know how that they have everything they need to lead, it's kind of a turnoff for me. Because I look at them like, hey, you know, I, I manage a team, and ideally, I want my team to be better than I ever was. And in order for me to do that, I have to be a better manager today than I was yesterday, than I was last year. And and the only way to do that, you mentioned in the earlier in the show is to work on myself and spend some time in that personal development stage. And so it's you see you see sales leaders, you know, you call them armchair managers. They get to that role and they're like, oh, man, I got a decent salary. I got a pension saved up or retirement. You know, I got less years to work than I did to start. Dude, hey, you're doing your people a disservice by not focusing on personal development. You're doing your team a disservice by not saying that bar and setting that example, great stuff there. So we talk about this personal development. You went through a three year journey of self development. Now, am, am I am I reading this correct? You invested over fifty thousand dollars in your own training and development.
1: I did probably more, probably more. Yeah, probably closer to fifty, but yeah, about twenty k a year.
0: Can you talk a little bit about what you did? What was these things that were? Hey, this was the you know I invested here. I did this for this reason. You know you don't have to share rep. You know how much it costs if you don't if you don't want to. Just I don't care. Give us an idea of what you did.
1: Yeah, I think uh, well, I joined a mastermind group is the the simple way to put it. So a mastermind is a collection of people. It's a paid group. Consider it a group coaching, but it was a live a live coach. So I got a mentor. I joined a mastermind. A mastermind group is a group of like-minded professionals. In our case, it was all high-performing salespeople that have a similar goal, right? And we get together and we help each other elevate and get better. And for me, it was a group called Epic Impact. Now they're called Abundant. So Abundant.is is is their website. They're still around and I still keep in touch. Actually, I'm doing some coaching for them as a guest trainer in, in a few weeks at one of their retreats. But they do these retreats four times a year. And the retreats are really centered around I would not say they're sales training retreats. I would say it's it's identity shift, right? And so it, for, for them, there was a lot of vision setting. What is your vision? Why does your vision matter? Who is it important to? Who are the people that have helped you and served you in your life to give you this opportunity? And then you like go into visualization and you see yourself, like literally see yourself in that position of success. I, and I, I'm not kidding. Like for me, it's a lot of like, who are you doing this for, right? If it's just for you, it's not as empowering as if you're doing it for your family. In my case, like I was always the sole breadwinner for my, for my, my family. And my wife was not happy where we were living, right? We were in a condo. It was in a pretty busy neighborhood. It was, I mean, it's a great area, but we wanted a house and, and it was like a three-story condo. We had a baby and we're just like, we wanted a house. So we were looking in LA, and L.A. is super expensive, especially where we yeah. want to live, which is West L.A. I live in El Segundo. I'm a few minutes from the beach. And the houses are between one one and a half and two million dollars. $2 million. And so I kind of had set my bar on like 1.2 million is our kind of threshold to buy a house. And we looked in that bar and my wife was just like, we couldn't find anything that was – I mean, it was all like tear down. It was all tear downs. I know. Well, it's not Bakersfield. I mean, it's a different it's a different cost of living. I, I, I mean, it's totally, yeah, it's way more expensive. Unfortunately it's uh, there's other areas we could live, but I wanted to be by the beach and my friends and family, I grew up here and just, unfortunately it's uh, it's what it costs. So I, you know, basically, you know, was, was discouraged. And then I went to one of these retreats and I literally imagined myself like buying you know, uh, a one, six million dollar house. And I said, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what I have to do. We're going to get that house. And it was through one of these visualization exercises. And I, and I pictured my wife doing gardening and I pictured a big backyard. And I pictured literally before any of, you know, what, what's happened the past few years, I, I had this vision of like my dream house. And I called my wife after the retreat and I told her, I said, Honey, let's start looking at one six. I don't care how you know what we think we can afford, let's let's start looking at the one six price range. And we ended up in July of 2018, so almost two years ago, we bought a $1.8 million house and we put a bunch more money into it. And this is after again a couple of huge years at Salesforce put a backyard, a pool, beautiful landscaping, fountains. And it's just, it's like a dream come true, really. And and I think that whole concept of challenging yourself to believe and visualize and feel, it was not, these were like hour long exercises, two hours of like meditations and like imagine yourself in that successful position before you are there, right? And seeing that and writing it down and repeating affirmations. That's kind of a lot what, what we worked on on the personal development side, and then and then things like shifting your health and your energy, right? Going, I, I wasn't the healthiest, right? I was drinking more than I should. I was definitely um, not sleeping as much. I didn't have the exercise routine that I have now, and and I just changed a lot of those habits. And that their concept is like, if you health, if you're healthy, you're going to feel better. You're going to perform better. And so I worked on my health, and I, I really did visualize success before I was there. There's an awesome book. If anyone is into you know, self-development, The Father, this is the, the greatest book of self-development that's ever been written. Hands down, it's sold probably 30 million copies. I don't even know. It's a guy named Napoleon Hill. So he was kind of the, the, the founder of self-development before Tony Robbins or Zig Ziglar or any of these guys. And he, the book is called Think and Grow Rich. And the whole concept of Think and Grow Rich is – you know, this this author, Napoleon Hill, spent 30 years studying the millionaires of that time. Now it was written in the 1930s, 20s, and 10s. So he spent 30 years studying Vanderbilt, Ford, Edison. He lived with these guys and shadowed them for 30 years from the most successful people you would ever think of and he wrote this book on these are the habits, these are what these people do. And the common theme was they have this vision and they believe and they they are relentless in that pursuit of that vision, right? So I never really had that vision until I now I have a massive vision for what I want to do. But I didn't have that in sales. It was always just like every month, every grind it out. So so this personal development taught me to think bigger. It taught me to believe in myself. It taught me to truly changed my my habits and and I made this commitment to investing in myself every like I said every week there was a live training every other week I had a mentor call and their sales training I would say was not tactical it was more on like you know caring and 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 really serving the customer and being of value and you know not not like here's how to close and here's how to negotiate and here's how to put together a proposal like it, was, it wasn't any of that it was like here's how to become the person that belongs in the C suite so over the past few years, I have really, as I've been meeting and engaging, I mean, I have several C-suite executives, including the CEO of a very large company on my text thread and we text each other and we're buddies. And it's like, I I came to this realization that people are people. And I always kind of had this fear of selling to the C-suite and, you know, the biggest deals at Salesforce all get done at the C-suite. And so that was also like me shifting my identity to realize I belong here with co-founders, with C-level executives, with multi-millionaire. I actually manifested that and I became a multimillionaire and I became someone who did belong and have a house just like them and drive a Maserati and you know, all these things that, you know, these people might be doing, or maybe they don't, maybe they're super humble, but I'm I'm not. I (laughs) I have a lifestyle that I have a lifestyle that's crazy and I I love it. Right. I enjoy I enjoy the lifestyle I have. So I think that's where the work was is really just shifting your identity and then aligning to a bigger vision. And then the second thing I I really kind of did during that time is I started to get, I broke the habits, right? I broke the bad habits that I have. So I think a lot of people have have time stealers throughout the day. And you know, they have these things they do in private and they're supposed to be working and they're not. It could be watching YouTube videos. It could be browsing ESPN. It could be just taking a long time for things that don't matter to move the needle on their business. But ultimately, if you're working every day on the things that move the needle on your business, you are going to perform at a higher level. So what i what i started doing is just really prioritizing my day right and saying what are the key things i need to get done plugging them into my calendar and making sure i was focusing on time on the things that matter versus just bullshit work that's not yeah. doing anything for my business and i and i said no a lot and i weeded out all the crap that you know was taking up time and i gave up a lot of habits that were killing me that were just like again like the habit of procrastination the habit of you know, putting things off that I didn't feel like doing because they weren't fun. The habit of staying up late and watching too much TV, like there's so much that goes into who I am. But today the person I am is is I, I'm a completely transformed person from three years ago. And, and the main transformation is how I view myself. I believe I belong at the highest level. I see myself as truly a thought leader in sales. I see myself as somebody who can do anything. I'm so I my confidence is beyond. And even though I didn't hit my biggest number last year, I overachieved it, it. That doesn't define me anymore. So a few years ago I would have said, Oh, I only got over hundred percent of plan. I finished like 102 last year, just recently. Like, Oh my God, I'm a terrible. I yeah. I'm, I'm more confident than ever. So it's like, I, I truly have shed those old identities, those old habits. I mean, I I struggled with addiction my whole life. I told you mm. my, my father passed away. Like I, I feel like I'm, I'm knock on wood, you know, I just feel like a lot of this stuff is just in the past. And I'm, I'm so like, I feels so free to go out and do whatever the heck I want, whether it's in sales or outside of sales. So it, it's, it's empowering. And that's from this, this personal development work. And, and, and I would say there's a lot more to unpack there. But that's kind of the main thing I got out of it versus like sales specific tactics.
0: Dude, I think that's awesome. And you one congratulations, man, that what you did and what you just described, many people want to do they're afraid to take that step they're afraid to invest in themselves they're afraid to think they belong and you're like no i do belong matter of fact i belong right next to you and i imagine because i know you you're you're, you're not you you you're just starting you're not a peak. Yeah, you are just starting so i'm excited buddy to see what the next 5 the next 10 years look like for ian koniak let's let's talk let's let's finish this thing i'm talking about a little bit about what you're doing now with ian koniak your your personal training. I watch your daily sales tips that you post on Instagram. I see your weekly trainings. I see you're getting a lot of engagement on it. How does somebody yeah there's somebody listening right now that says dude I want to do what Ian Koniak does. I want to go from good to great. I want to take that next step. How can they work with you? What, you know, talk to us a little bit about some of the coaching you're offering and what can people expect when they come to you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So My long term vision, I told people at Salesforce, so I'm sure there'll be some people at Salesforce listening to this. I have nothing to hide. My long term vision, what I think is my calling, and it's bigger than because I could stay in my job and candidly make $500 to a million dollars with my eyes closed. And and that's hard to leave. It it truly is. And it's comfortable, and I know it well, and it's secure. But like you, right? I have a vision of serving and, and truly fulfilling my potential on this planet. And I believe that I can rewrite what it means to work in sales. And so I've started kind of the first phase of my journey, which is started a business, which uh, if you go to www.ianconiac.com, you'll see the link in the video. It's a sales training business. And the idea is to do something that cannot and will not interfere with my job at Salesforce, right? There'll be different modules. They'll be pre-recorded, probably 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I still haven't started the recording, but I have the modules laid out. So the first module will be, mastering your mindset and like approaching and thinking of sales in the right way because it's an honor to work in sales and it's a privilege and it's one of the most impactful careers you can have if you do it the right way so kind of shifting how we think about sales that that's got to be foundational and then really goal setting like what do you want to make how do we back into that here's who to go after here's how to segment your accounts to pick the right because because selling at a high level actually countered a popular belief Especially in the software space, it means spending a lot more time with fewer clients. It means getting deep in the clients because that's where the big deals come from. You don't get multi-million-dollar deals if you just have one meeting a month. You're you're on site every week with these guys, right? You're you're spending a year to close these things, but that's that's kind of what it takes. So. Uh, I'm going to talk about how to find the right clients that are qualified, regardless of what business you're in. And then, you know, drafting your elevator pitch, how to research those clients that whatever you sell, you have a value proposition that's going to resonate and get in the door and and see see seats want to hear. And then, you know, for setting the appointment to actually you know, running an effective appointment to asking discovery questions, what questions matter to clients, depending on, you know, who you're selling to, to taking those questions and the answers and putting together a presentation, telling it in the format of a story. So I have a keynote called Stories That Sell, which is all about how to use storytelling to make effective sales presentations. And finally, to to closing negotiation and navigating, you know, some large deals. And here's how deals actually get done in, in the enterprise space. So that that's, doesn't exist today. There is no course. There's courses on negotiation. There's courses on different objection handlings or prospecting, but there's nothing from soup to nuts to show you, here's how to run every phase of the sales cycle. And I've done it for so long. At this point, I'm like, I need to get the shit out of my head. It's not fair for me to keep it to myself or just use it for two clients. Cause I only have two clients at Salesforce now. So I, I'm really, you know, small, small. Big accounts, your Fortune 500, but only two of them. So I, I've just come to a, a place where I said, I have to teach. And so I'm going to build the course and then people can buy the course. It's going to be $99 a month. So super low investment where you pay a thousand bucks for a year and There's a wait list right now. So if you want to join, I'm only going to take a certain number of people because I am going to be offering, in addition to just accessing the modules, I'm going to do a group coaching session. I want to make those group coaching sessions impactful. So every two weeks, I'll have a one-hour live Coaching, where I will um, be able to, it'll be office hours. I'll be able to answer questions if people have any deals they're working on, they want help with, and all those will be recorded and put in the portal as well. But that that course is truly a soup to nuts sales training course that is going to take everything I've done through my career. And ideally, the bigger vision is, you know, the nice things I can sell the course and not have. I, I, I'm just. Apart from you know the website maintenance and whatnot, it doesn't take a lot of time. I'm doing two hours a week. Once the course is built, the upfront work which I have to take time off to do. Once that course is built, it's 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 sustainable. And my plan is just put out free content. People want more, they can go to the course because people don't pay for information. There's so much information out there. They pay for application. So the whole course is all about how do you apply this stuff in a systematic way to actually elevate. And they'll have access to a full year. So it's not like three weeks and then you're done. It's like people consume content at the pace. That People get busy, they have deal cycles, busy times a year, family, whatever. Like You can't expect all people to like do everything in a short window and actually consume it. So each video will have a worksheet on how to apply that lesson to your specific business that you fill out. And I think there's going to be nothing like it on the market. I'm so excited because it's my way to give back. And the nice thing is I can do it while I'm at Salesforce because once the course is built, it's really just the two hours a week of group coaching. I'll have a Zoom call, I'll do it early morning, so I'm not... Interfering with work and and that's really the way people can work with me. I do have a couple private clients, um, but I'm not looking to take on more private clients candidly unless someone was really really wanting one on one kind of coaching. I, I work with two CEOs right now that are startup CEOs. I, I'm if I'm if it's private, it's got to be high 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 performers looking to that next level. It's not the everyday Joe because I just my my time is too valuable and I, I can't. So so I do have a couple. But the the big vision is to sell the course to individuals and to companies, and eventually Make it, you know, Cognac University or Cognac Sales Methodology or whatever, you know, just like you have the Sandler in the Challenger Sale and all these methodologies. I want to have this systematized where people can get certified and ultimately me go out and you know have coaches that go out and teach this stuff. But my my family's super important to me and my lifestyle and my balance, and so I just don't see myself being on a plane every week going to live trainings. But eventually, I want to license the course to companies and then they can you know, give it to their salespeople and, you know, in 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 just it's perpetual software. That's what I sell now. And that's, that's the way to go in my mind. Cause it's low overhead, no you know, running events is hard. Being on a plane is hard. So I'm, I'm trying to think of what's going to work for me. And that that's kind of where I've landed. So iankoniak.com is live. You can read about me and what the course offers and the modules will be coming out, I would say by the end of March. So we're, we're early February now, but I, I got to just, just get it done, right? That's, that's been something I've been working up to for a while, but I need to physically go in and record the course and create the worksheet. That's kind of what what's next for
0: me. Well, Ian, man, that is that is exciting. There is zero doubt in my mind that the Cognac Method and Cognac Future—we're just going to call it Future—because everything you've listed is coming. It is going to hit, dude. Hundred percent, man. This was so valuable. Such an incredible. Two things, man. One. Once Cognac grows and becomes big, can I get you back on this?
1: Anytime, brother. You and I are you and I are on this journey together. I don't know if anyone knows, but Anthony and I are in a group together called Brand Builders Group, which is all about how do you become become a brand. And I love what you're doing. I mean, you're an inspiration to me in the fact you've published a book, you have a podcast, and you're doing it while working. I mean, it, it can be done, right? So it's it's just a awesome, awesome thing. And I'm I'm really uh inspired and you know, that's that's kind of kind of where I'm at is is a little on on your, on your, on your tail in terms of doing the same type of thing. I'd love to have a podcast. I just want to be the guru for sales in the right way. And you know, and I think I have a gift for for teaching and communicating this stuff because it's real. It's not bullshit. It's real and it's authentic. And that's what people need. They need the real story from someone doing it versus trainers or people who haven't been on the field. So that's why I'm kind of keeping my Salesforce job is to test and continue to perform and, and show this stuff works. And, and it's good money, too. So.
0: Well, dude. I mean, what you're saying right now dude, is, you know, it's kind of like the the changing of the guards, right? I mean, there's a certain point in time where where Michael Jordan and, and, and Magic Johnson were like the the players, and then comes you know Kobe Lebron, and then comes your next generation of players, right? It's it's changing of the guards. Some of these sales methodologies, I mean, what you're doing, what you're challenging, what you're teaching is applicable today, 2020 going to help you right now. That's right. Now, there's some great fun foundations and fundamentals from sales trainers and sales training methodologies. I'm not here to say they aren't doing it well, but you're innovating and you're adding layers of value to it, which is why I truly believe anyone who's listening to this at the bare minimum should go subscribe to Ian Koniak, get updates from his daily sales tips. You will learn something guaranteed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me, let me just be more clear. So you don't have to just go to Ian. Konyak. If you go to com, you can subscribe to my newsletter and it's free. Every week I send out a video training or if you're on LinkedIn, which I'm sure most of your audience is search Ian Koniak and you'll see, I've been posting probably for, you know, six months or so on LinkedIn, Instagram. It's kind of an experiment. I'm not candidly, I just post every day, but it's not sales training. What sales tips, sales training, go to LinkedIn, go under my activity and look at posts and you'll see all the posts I've been doing. I also have a YouTube channel, but I would say at the very least, if you're not ready to take the course, you just want to have a little tip each week, subscribe to the newsletter, go to LinkedIn, follow me on LinkedIn and you'll get my videos, comment on them, share them out. You know, if you get value, like that's why I'm so encouraged by this is I'm getting every day incoming messages saying this stuff is helping them. I had someone yesterday call me and said, I'm leaving my company to go work at Salesforce because of the way you are are selling and because of the opportunity and the culture. And it's like, people are literally improving their lives and, 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 you know, improving their performance because of what, what I'm putting out. So it's, it's just more, more feedback that this is the right thing. Um, but if you're not, again, you don't have to spend a dime. I'm doing this as a service. And for anyone who wants that content, it will be out there every week on LinkedIn. I don't see that ever stopping. I think I'm going to do a, a video every week, in the newsletter every week for people just for sales training. But if you want the full soup to nuts, right, in terms of start to finish every phase of the sales cycle in an organized, systematic way and you want personal access to me, this course, I'm, I've made it so affordable. It should be four or five grand in my mind in testing market, but I'm doing it grand just because I want a lot of people to go in. And, and if it gets too big, like I said, I'm going to cap out how many people, cause I want to be able to add value on those group coaching calls. And I have 200 people there and, and not address most of the questions. So we'll see where it goes, but you know, it, for everyone, I, I, it, there's no obligation. And certainly, uh, you know, Hopefully, you can use the content I'm putting out already because there's so much out there I've already put on LinkedIn. So give me feedback. Give me a message. Let me know what you think. I'm always looking to improve what I'm putting out there. And you know, I'm just getting started, like Anthony said.
0: All right, buddy. Well, I'm glad to have you, man. I think, again, be sure to go check out iankoniak.com. Catch him on LinkedIn. He has so much value to offer. Thank you again for being a guest on the Catapulting Commission show.
1: Thanks, bud. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.
0: Well, that does it for today's episode on Catapulting Commissions with Anthony Garcia. If you found some value in today's show, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe to Catapulting Commissions. That way you get notified of new episodes every week. Lastly, please take a screenshot of today's show and share it on Instagram. Every week, I'll be giving away a signed copy of my best-selling book to one person who tags me at Anthony P Garcia 99 and includes the hashtag catapulting commissions. Thank you for your time. And I look forward to helping you achieve higher commissions.